Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. So this episode is brought to you by NorthPass Business. Against small businesses and startups, they often work with limited resources and reduce costs wherever possible. While this is sometimes practical, cybersecurity is one area where you don't want to cut corners. Creating strong, unique passwords for your company's accounts is a surefire way to defend your business from data breaches. However, with the number of personal and work logins we use daily, it's very easy to get password fatigue, leading to reusing the same passwords across accounts. So NordPass Business is a powerful password manager for organizations that removes the difficulty of generating and remembering strong passwords for you and your colleagues. Additionally, it allows for you to integrate single sign-on with your company's Google Workspace accounts and effortlessly create groups to share sensitive information across teams and projects. So see NordPass Business in action now with a three-month free trial by going to nordpass.com forward slash Pantera and use the code Pantera. This episode is brought to you by Basecamp. So Basecamp is a project management and team communication application that has been around for about 18 years, and it's used by thousands of companies today. Basecamp is all about simplicity. It is designed to give you and your team the tools you need to get work done. They have message boards, to-dos, file storage, chat calendar, and much more. Basecamp is built to help you in getting out of your way and let you focus on what matters. Again, you know, like when you're adding a bunch of people, there's a bunch of files that need to be shared. You need to be effective. And that's where Basecamp comes in. They actually are from the guys that brought to you 37 signals. And really, they help in making decisions simple and also effective. So go to Basecamp. Their pricing is simple and they give you the all, all really the features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to Basecamp.com forward slash dealmakers and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required and cancel at any time. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So very excited, you know, about the guests that we're going to have today. We're going to talk about, you know, fundraising, scaling, building, all the good stuff, you know, going from the traditional finance more to the cannabis, you know, side of things. But I think that without further ado, you know, let's welcome our guest today, George Manchero. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So originally born in India, I know that, uh, you know, you came here to New York City, you know, quite early uh, in your in your life. But uh, but yeah, so give us a little of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't remember a time before I was in New York City, grew up as like a regular city kid uh, in the Bronx, um, ended up going to NYU and, you know, post college, I had sold my soul to finance and Wall Street at a very young age. And so really started my career in New York as well and stayed there up until, you know, 2013 when I actually moved out to Los Angeles. So what got you into finance? You know, I'm sure that uh, regardless, your parents, you know, were super thrilled because I know that in India, you know, pushing for the educational side of things, you know, is, is a big thing. I mean, they're, you know, they push you to become an engineer or a doctor. Uh, so I'm yeah. sure that, you know, them, you know, coming here, making the sacrifice of coming to the U.S. and 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 being immigrants, you know, here in the U.S., you know, I'm an immigrant and I know that is not easy, you know, to come here. 
Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that they were super proud when they saw you, you know, going to NYU. Yeah, I think that uh, an engineer might have gone over better, uh, but, you know, finance was good as a second point. But no, I mean, I, you know, growing up, even as a child, um, you know, I was just very interested in keeping a pulse on world events and what's going on, um, you know, both locally, nationally, internationally. And finance just seemed to be an industry that really allowed me to leverage that skill set and that interest. Um, you know, ultimately, I think it's all about having an informed view and an informed opinion about what's going on in the world and what you expect will happen in the future. And so I just thought it was a good complement of my skill set and interests. And it was a natural calling for me. And one that, you know, at the end of the day is it's a it's a very dynamic environment to operate in, you know, constantly things are changing and updating. And I think just the excitement of all that was definitely a pull for me as well. So you experienced the Goldman Sachs, you know, right. on the on the finance side of things and then also Guggenheim. So why did you go from, you know, let's say one to the other? Yeah, I mean, I look, I mean, I loved my career. It was definitely very engaging and, and fruitful and also very educational. But I think, you know, most people, when they get to a certain point in their lives or in a career, you know, you start to get to a place where you want to challenge yourself further. And I think, you know, by 2018, having worked in finance for, you know, 14 years at that point, I really was at a point at a place where I wanted to challenge myself a little bit more, you know, take on a little bit more of the entrepreneurial role. And I saw a tremendous opportunity that lined up at the same time with cannabis legalization going across the US. And so I think it was a mix of really what I was looking for personally and professionally, but also opportunity wise, what was available. Now, it's interesting, you know, like what you're mentioning there, because I mean, for you, I mean, you work for quite a bit in Guggenheim. I mean, were you were there for how, how long? How many years? Uh, like eight years, I would so say. That's uh, quite a bit of time, you know. So uh, now, obviously, your your career, you know, it, it has taken a different path, you know, different things that you're doing now from what you were doing at Guggenheim. But I guess during those eight years at Guggenheim, what were your major takeaways or your biggest lessons? Yeah, I mean, so at Guggenheim, I focused on structured credit um, and, you know, wore a couple different hats there at the same time. I was a portfolio manager for structured credit um, investment mandates. There was uh, an analyst function to my role and also trading. And so really, it was a lot more informative for my current role than uh, I had anticipated. And structured credit really focuses on lending to high risk borrowers um, on the corporate level dealing with illiquid investments and even just structuring loans. And so we got um, you know, a specialty and a focus in looking at funky vanilla off the off the cuff non-vanilla deals, which really required you to take a deep dive look into each each sort of prospective borrower, understand what the collateral is there, what the assets are, how do you structure a deal so that as a lender, you're both getting an attractive return, but also protected as much as possible. And so that really did apply one for one, um, looking at the cannabis space where you're looking at a nascent industry, brand new companies and brand new operators, but ultimately businesses that have assets, you know, they have value on their balance sheet. And the idea is how do you structure lending deals that allow these borrowers to access capital in exchange for the value of the assets they have on their balance sheet? And then how do you monitor those relationships and those exposures on a go forward basis? So there's a significant amount that I learned, um, you know, I'd say in my past financial career that, you know, really just holds true regardless of what industry you're, you're looking at. So as they say, you know, ideas, they take some time, you know, they're back there and we don't even know that they're there. So 
how do you come across, you know, this and, and, and cannabis too? I mean, it's a quite a, a different turn. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I moved to LA in 2013. And at that time, um, California only had the medicinal market available in in cannabis, but it was my first exposure to having, you know, any sort of dispensary presence or cannabis presence where I lived. When 2018 rolled around, California was legalizing adult use sales, you know, California, I'm sorry, Colorado and Washington had legalized previously. And so they had their own adult use markets and seeing the pace at which states were adopting adult use sales, it just seemed like the green wave was here in terms of legalization. Now, I very firmly believe in, you know, the repeal of drug prohibition in this country, especially as it relates to cannabis. I think the war on drugs has been a failed effort and I think it's wasted a lot of resources and it's cost a lot of damage in terms of human capital. And so the repeal of that is, you know, by nature interesting to me. But then to compound it with the opportunity to get involved with this industry at a nascent stage and really, you know, try and bring my skill set and see if that could help propel and accelerate the success of this industry it just seemed like a great meeting of, you know, two different aspirations that I had in my own life. And so I think it was it was a right mix of just seeing the opportunity materialize. Um, and like I said, you know, being at a point in my life where I wanted to take what I had learned and really put it, take it to the next level. So what was that that moment where you pulled the trigger, you know, in and you were like, okay, let's go. Yeah, I mean, I would say it was halfway through 2018. Um, you know, legalization had started in California. You know, a lot of this, anyone who started a business knows it's a lot about networking and meeting people and seeing what other like-minded individuals are out there thinking along the same lines. And so, even just in terms of my my own outreach and you know, seeing sort of the energy and excitement that surrounded cannabis at the time. I think all of that was what finally resulted in that tipping point where it was just like, yeah, this is a very exciting opportunity that I wanted to take a chance on. So then what happened next? I mean, what happened next has been, you know, five-ish years of, you know, just very exciting (laughs) challenges that anyone has as an entrepreneur. You know, um, when from the day of our founding, you know, Bespoke's main goal was to provide debt financing for cannabis operators across the supply chain and in the legal space. Now, that capital fundraising environment for cannabis is very, very different than it is for any other industry and for any other, you know, sort of segment of the startup world. Uh, One, there's still the federal illegality of cannabis, which means a lot of institutional investors and a lot of sources of capital that you would normally turn to just will not look at cannabis. Um, And so that pool of where these companies and even ancillary companies like Bespoke can access that funding is tremendously smaller and therefore much harder to actually complete and do and achieve within the cannabis industry by itself. Fortunately, however, there, there's always you know the risk-adjusted return and there's always investors with different sort of risk appetites and a lot that actually did see the value in cannabis and, and the future potential. And so the idea had had always been, you know, how can Bespoke act as a bridge between the traditional world of finance and institutional capital and the growing cannabis industry that needed access to that capital? And so we we sit in between those two worlds and, you know, leverage our expertise in evaluating these borrowers and identifying good risks and uh, our ability to source capital in order to help these companies grow and scale. And so from the outset, you know, the industry has gone through different waves and different cycles. And I think that's true of any industry, but especially true of an industry that's going from zero to one and really, you know, very much in its formative state. And for us, you know, one thing that's really buoyed us and kept us, you know, with our eye on a long-term vision has been the fact that 
there's a long-term bullish thesis here when it comes to cannabis and its ramp in in the coming years. And regardless of what market you're talking about, um, you know, the trend has been consistent that cannabis consumption, um, not just recreationally, but also from a pharmaceutical standpoint, we're just barely scratching the surface in terms of what's possible and, and, you know, what this can mean in terms of improvement of quality of life for individuals out there. So despite whatever, you know, short-term, near-term challenges have existed over the past five years, long-term, the trend has been very consistent with our initial thesis, which has been that there's, there's a huge opportunity here. And how do you guys make money, George? So we're, we're a fintech platform that provides financing services. So what we offer are lines of credit for cannabis operators to really manage their working capital needs. Let's say you're a manufacturer that, you know, needs to go buy cannabis flower, needs to go buy packaging. Um, but ultimately, once you produce the goods, you sell them to your retail customers who may pay you on day 45, day 60, day 90 after they receive the product. This puts a serious limitation on your own business. You need capital in hand to go source the raw materials and you can't act as sort of a bank for your customers. And so with our financing products, that manufacturer can go purchase whatever they need for their raw materials, finish production, sell to their customers, ultimately collect from the dispensaries and repay our loans. But we offer lines that are intended to be churned, um, you know, recycled as you move through production cycle to production cycle, but really allows these companies to work towards one, getting a bigger foothold, you know, growing market share, taking advantage of expansion opportunities into new geographies or new markets and improving profitability because, you know, a lot of these businesses you need to operate and take advantage of economies of scale in order to have profitability. And so doing more with the fixed infrastructure that you have on hand puts a greater burden and a greater demand for your own working capital. And if you're strung up and a lot of that's tied up in inventory or it's tied up in accounts receivable, working with Bespoke allows you to unlock value based off those assets. And, 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 and I guess, you know, the other question that comes to mind is, you know, for an operation like this, I mean, you need to raise some money. So how much capital have you guys raised to date? Yeah, I would say it's since inception, we've raised over you know, $200 million across debt and equity. Yeah, from over the past five years. And what is the difference there on equity and debt for the people that are listening? Yeah. So, I mean, equity capital, we use just like any other startup um, company does in terms of building the team and investing in the technology and, and you know, getting all the pieces we need in place. The debt financing is really, you know, the capital that allows us to go out there and originate loans. Um, and so it's a mix of those two because we do have two needs for our financing. One is just for the business end in terms of developing and the other is actually for our operational end in order to deploy capital. So we'll get back to our conversation in a minute. But if you're an entrepreneur or a sales leader, you'll want to listen to this. Let me tell you about Wingman. Not, no, no, not Tom Chris. Wingman is a conversation intelligence tool that helps folks like you coach and scale up their sales teams really fast, really easy. Now, I know you know scaling is not just about hiring. Getting the team up to speed can be the real speed bump. Well, Wingman can help you in getting that. It lets you build call libraries with game tapes relevant to every cell situation, complete with highlights and notes, and it's asynchronous. I mean, repeatable sales training engine. Not just that, Wingman even helps during sales calls with contextual battle cards and monologue alerts. The great thing about Wingman is that it plays nice with all your existing tools like Salesforce, HubSpot, Zoom, Teams, and Google. It even syncs up with Slack so you don't have to log into your CRM all the time for deal updates. 
So head over to trywingman.com to give it a try. That is T-R-Y-W-I-N-G-M-A-N.com. It's just the wingman your sales needs to really predictably beat revenue targets quarter after quarter. This episode is brought to you by Partner Hero, which provides customer service outsourcing that's built for the needs of scaling and high-growth startups. They offer flexible terms, fast onboarding, and the ability to scale teams quickly. Perfect for fast-growing business. I mean, let's face it, you know, you're all startups. You know, it's time for you to really stop trying to do absolutely everything. You need to get yourself out of the supporting box so you can actually focus on growing your business. So again, Partner Hero is flexible. They have quality assurance. They have offices around the world to really provide that help and support that you need. And if you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your startup that feels like it's part of your existing team, then check out Partner Hero. Head over to partnerhero.com forward slash dealmakers to book a free consultation with their solutions team and mention that you heard about Partner Hero from Dealmakers and they'll waive the setup fee. Have you experienced, a, you know, over time, kind of like that limitation of perhaps the people that you were able to access to, to secure financing, you know, just like opening up and being a little bit more flexible in that regard or not? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that consensus. And it makes sense, you know, the longer the industry is allowed to operate, the more of a track record the industry has and companies have, the more comfortable investors get with, you know, deploying capital into that. So I definitely say the universe of potential capital sources had consistently grown, you know, since call it 2017, 2018. It hasn't been without its roller coaster moments, but in aggregate, I would say the investor class is pretty much convinced that cannabis is here to stay as a CPG powerhouse and, and a sizable industry going forward. The biggest filter still remains that, you know, federal illegality that we haven't seen any movement on from, you know, Washington, D.C. And so there's there's a lot of, I'd say, pent up demand that's sitting on the sidelines just waiting for that all clear, but are really in a position where they can't move until that legalization or decriminalizing cannabis actually takes place on a federal level. And what we're thinking about also expectations of going from one round to the next. I mean, that's a really interesting area because we're talking about an industry that is at its infancy. You know, it's like mm -hmm. now regulation is, is starting to be implemented. You know, you can see like all these uh, states allowing, you know, for, for, for cannabis to be distributed. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, the investors that are coming into this segment, you know, it's not like there's a lot of historical data that they can benchmark on. So how have you guys experienced to the level of expectations uh, maturing or transitioning from one financing cycle to the next? Um, I would say on our side, like you said, the industry is still pretty nascent and it's still pretty new. And so I wouldn't say that there's been a significant period of time where that's materially changed. But for us, you know, evaluating a, a business and a standalone business is the same, regardless of whether there's, you know, five years of, of history or three years of history. At the end of the day, what you're looking for is really what are the fundamentals that you're dealing with here? What are the operations and what's the overall macro climate look like? I would say the macro environment is definitely a huge factor to consider in any of this consideration, right? And it's like 2020 and 2021, vastly different both for cannabis and not and you know the world outside of cannabis than 2022 or even this current year are. And so, you know, I would say those factors have been more relevant than any sort of 
historical track record because again the industry today is in a vastly different position than it was even three years ago and so you know the macro considerations are, are really paramount to make sure you you understand what's going on with the business and teasing out what's tied to macro versus what's tied to micro and also you were alluding to it earlier uh on the perhaps the negative connotation that for some people you know this industry has how do you see that consciousness opening up so that perhaps that negativity that is attached to it, you know, becomes a little more, it disappears, you know, and there's more yeah. of, uh, openness towards it. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, like, I don't think there's any, any product out there that has a hundred percent of everyone's support across the board. Um, and it definitely is an evolution and an unlearning of a lot of what was parroted out in during cannabis's prohibition phase. But I think really the proof is in the pudding, right? You have so many markets now, you have over 50% of the states of the US that have some form of legalized cannabis, whether it's medicinal or adult use. You have about, I'd say two thirds of, of you know the US population that believes that legalization should happen. So I think there's definitely been a lot of you know, living with cannabis, proving that this isn't going to be the end of times or the end of civilization, that a lot of a lot of individuals just need to see in practice, right? And now, even on the financing side, you know, New York has just started, you know, their adult use sales, it's very limited, it's running behind schedule. But what we're seeing even from the first couple of days is that there's huge pent up demand. And I think there's a little bit of seeing cannabis and the cannabis industry thrive in your locality and within your state, that does a lot of the convincing right there. It's just, and then add on to it the benefits that your local community or your state can enjoy from the added tax revenue that it's getting from this new industry, the job growth that it offers to your community. I think all of these positives are you know, very hard to really visualize in the abstract, but once you see it in practice, it, it just becomes that much more real and that much more convincing. And as you're thinking about growth too and, and, and how things tend to change, how would you say that you guys have developed and and scaled up the technology side of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, on our side, we've seen technology play an increasing role over the past two years just within our own operations. And, you know, one one exciting part about cannabis's growth and ramp is that, you know, it's happening now in the modern era. And it's, an, it's a CPG industry that can really take advantage of technology and really how the modern consumer operates in a way that other Pre previously existing industries had to unlearn past ways of operating and then learn new ways. And so for us, we've prioritized, you know, how can we be more efficient, remove friction points, you know, really be a financing partner, but also, you know, a, a true just tool and, and service for this industry and the operators within it to scale their growth. And I think when we look back at what we've done over the past two years, it's understanding both on a macro level, how the industry is progressing, what supply is doing, what's happening on pricing. There have been a lot of different micro shocks that each state and each market have had to encounter. And really, I think the exciting thing for cannabis operators is that the fact that there's so much technology that has been built out around cannabis, really what this ultimately does is empower them to make smarter decisions. And that's something that we've leveraged when it comes to making our application process as simple as possible and, you know, getting financing in a very short period of time out to the borrowers who need it. All of these are directly enabled by technology. And that's really where our focus would be going forward to understand how we can make this more convenient and more broadly available for other markets. Now, you guys are combining two areas that are 
you know, quite challenging. You know, on one end, you know, you're dealing with a very heavy regulated uh, space, you know, the cannabis space, but then also the financing side of things, you know, also has, you know, it's quite a regulation. So you got double the trouble here. So so how, how, how have you guys, you know, really thought about that, you know, from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, it's that's a good question because you're right. Um, cannabis regulation is a state-by-state consideration. Each state sets up its own rules because, again, federally it's illegal. And uh, financing rules follow the same framework. Um, it's, it is a state-by-state consideration in terms of how you have to operate as a lender, whether there are licensing requirements and, you know, sort of other limitations on what lenders can or cannot do. And so for us, when we look at a new market, you know, and by market, we mean state, it requires a lot of due diligence on our side, both in terms of understanding both spheres and really making sure that our products work, our process works, um, you know, there is that there's enough of a cannabis market there that, you know, can actually benefit from financing and benefit from scaling up. And so a lot of this, a lot of that analysis happens before we go live into any any state. And as of today, you know, we have borrowers in over 18 states across the U.S. And so it's a process that we've gotten very used to running through as the opportunity presents itself. But the good news is that, you know, because of our growth and because of our brand, you know, presence within the market, now a lot of our geographic expansion is driven by reverse inquiry. You know, we often get approached by operators in states where we haven't been active before um, to see if there's any way for us to work together. And so that's been a good evolution versus, you know, the early days of our, our, our existence where we really just focus on which markets we should prioritize from an opportunity standpoint. And now for the people that are listening to get an idea on the scope and size, anything that you feel comfortable sharing, maybe like number of employees or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we've always run, I'd say, pretty lean over here. But, you know, we've we've basically increased our headcount by 50% last year. You know, it's about 30, 30 or so employees at the company right now. And for us, you know, it's not really a question of, of headcount. It's more about, you know, what we're able to do. And so this is where our technologies really help to sort of scale operations in a really efficient manner. Um, for us, you know, growth is all about how much financing we're doing. And, you know, just by last year, you know, we had to, we had financed over, you know, $1.8 billion in, in cannabis GMV since our inception. And so that was definitely a big milestone and reflective of a lot of years of, of hard work. And for us, you know, we just see the opportunity set growing. Um, you know, the amount of cannabis that consumers are buying is only increasing even in quote unquote mature markets like uh, California, um, you're seeing that there's actually more demand for the product than there was last year. And so for us, the pie is just getting bigger. And for us, the idea is how do we make sure that we're there to service an increasing portion of it, um, just given that there is so much growth on both ends. That's amazing. Now, imagine if you were to go to sleep tonight, George, and you wake up in a world where the vision of the company is fully realized. What does that world look like? Uh, I don't know that there's ever uh, a final point. Um, you know, everything does kind of build and evolves and, you know, the work that you do does open up new opportunities. I mean, even for us, when we, you know, first started our operations, the idea was, you know, address this working capital financing need in the industry. And after two years of of doing this in a pretty manual way, what we realized is there's an opportunity here incorporating technology and going with a more scalable effort. And I think as the industry matures, the needs of that industry are going to evolve and change even beyond financing. And so for us, a lot of a lot of our brainstorming and our ideas are driven by what we hear from our borrowers and from our, our clients, really. It's just like, what are they trying to take advantage of? What are we, they seeing in terms of changes within the industry? And so 
you know, realistically, um, I don't have a final form in my mind, but what would be very, very good would be for us to really execute in terms of what our core mission is. And really, we look at ourselves as a partner for the cannabis industry. So if we're out there enabling entrepreneurs to really capitalize on their vision and actually scale their businesses and grow, then we will have done everything we wanted to do from our mission statement. And that can take form in a variety of different ways, even beyond just strictly financing products. Amazing. Now, as we are, you know, here we're talking about the future a little bit, but if we're looking towards the past and we're able to reflect from it, you know, imagine you had the opportunity of having a chat with your younger self, maybe that younger self that is still, you know, in the in the finance, you know, um, segment, you know, working still at Guggenheim and you were able to, you know, just have a chat with your younger self and being able to give that younger George one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? It's a loaded question. Um, in, in the effort of making this more relevant for more of your audience, I mean, for me, I think one of the biggest lessons has been, you know, strength of conviction, um, you know, really just understand what's most important, what are the goals and what are you trying to achieve in a very clear framework and really using that as a way to prioritize. Because look, there's always going to be volatility. There's always going to be, you know, the the consensus opinion about what the right thing to do is or what to prioritize um, or what reality even looks like, right? And I think especially going into, into, you know, cannabis during what was, you know, I would say a boom market across the board when, when it comes to startups, there's, there's a general optimism and consensus that oftentimes goes unchallenged where internally we've always been slightly on the more pessimistic side in terms of there's real challenges in growing any business from zero to one and growing an industry from zero to one. And I think it behooves everyone to keep that in mind. And so for the first couple of parts of our, our our existence, you know, we always kind of felt like the Debbie Downers in some conversations, like, you know, hey, maybe the future is not going to be as perfect or as rosy or as easy as as people are expecting. And a lot of those challenges have materialized. Um, a lot of unexpected challenges have materialized. But I think ultimately that doesn't diminish from the core optimism that we have in terms of what this industry will ultimately be and even what it's gotten to today. And so I think just having strength of conviction in terms of your best educated guests um, and at the same time being open to new data and new information that better informs you as things change is it's something that's very hard to do, especially when you're in what could be a bull market and what you can be in now, which is a very bear market where everyone's pessimistic. I think we've actually flipped our roles where general consensus is pretty bearish and pretty bleak. And for us, we this is where I think the silver linings of the optimism really shines out on our side where we know there's a future. And so the opportunity remains, you know, it's it's gonna be, it's always it was always going to be a challenge to get from point A to point B. But the the fact that we've actually been resilient um as an industry and continued to grow for us, it actually makes it more exciting now to like retackle just based off of the experience we've built up over the past few years. I love it. So, George, for the people that are listening that would love to uh, reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, go please go to our website, bespokefinancial.com. Um, and, you know, there's easy options to reach out to us or where our team is happy to get back to you. And, you know, please do reach out. We like to take a very, you know, consultative approach and a partnership approach when it comes to working with um, cannabis operators within the space. And so anyone who's interested in learning more about our services, you know, reaching out is always the first step. And then we're happy to get in front of you and get you the information you need and ultimately, you know, work towards getting you as many 
financial tools as possible for you to scale your business. Amazing. Well, hey, George, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you, Andre. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the DealMakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.